Welcome to His Way Women's Bible Study with Linda Anderson. His Way Ministries is an interdenominational ministry established and committed to helping you experience a dynamic relationship with God. Now, here's Linda with this week's message. Oh, it's great to be back. I missed you so much last week. But I listened to the evening, and worship was incredible. I felt the waterfall of it through the CD. I just closed my eyes and pretended that I was in his way. (laughs) Oh, it's good to be here. I'm glad to see you. By the way, only two more weeks of the parking and the obstacle course to get in here. And then all of this is paved right out there, and you'll be able to park close. Praise God. Yeah, so thank you for overcoming and um, pushing through the obstacles and roadblocks and all of the stuff to get here to this amazing place where there are no girl games at all. (laughs) You know what? If we don't play them, there aren't any. So just don't do it. Okay. All right. Well, let's pray. By the way, as I was coming tonight, tonight we're, we are just, we are really getting a download of God's love tonight. I walked in and George Ann, George Ann, just raise your hand. George Ann just gave me a great word. She told me, she said that she had finally landed in God's love. Landed. Yeah, I felt it through me when she said it. But I was thinking on the way over here as I was meditating on his love and turning my affections toward God, I was thinking about what healed the blind man in Africa in June, huh, Mary, as we were in Africa. I was thinking about what healed that blind man. It was the love of God. It was God's love pouring down and just continuing to minister the love of God until he got the love of God into him and he believed it. And that's what formed his pupils and brought sight to his eyes was the love of God. So tonight, open yourself to the love of God because unless you put out your buckets when it's raining, you're not going to catch any water. (laughs) so oh i just thought you've got a hat i just i just hold that up yeah put out that anything you got put up your hands (laughs) let's pray father here we are oh god we've come to this place where your love flows so freely and so father would you rain down your love on us oh god not a sprinkle (laughs) Lord, not, not just a drop here or there, but saturate us with your love. And so, Father, I'm thanking you in advance for doing this. It's your will. It's your problem. It's your bill. <laughs> so, Lord, do, do everything that you want to do tonight in his way. Thanks, Father. In the name of Jesus. So be it. Amen. Well, some of you were 
with me a few days ago in pro team training. So you already heard this story, but you can hear it again. So while we were, while Tom and I were away, we were on vacation and we got on an airplane to go to Florida. And when we got on the plane, I was looking forward to who would be in the window seat. My husband, Tom, had the aisle. I had the middle. And I wanted to know who would have the window seat, who would be held captive. (laughs) So I was looking forward to finding out. And I got onto the airplane. And as I was walking down the aisle, I saw that it was a young woman. And then I was like, oh, good. And as I got closer, I noticed that she looked very sick. And as I sat down next to her and tried to say hello, she didn't want to talk to me because she felt so terrible. Um, she was coughing and sneezing and blowing and had a fever. And, and do you know what happened to me? I immediately started thinking about myself. I started thinking, oh, no. Oh, no, I'm going to be on this cruise ship. Tom and I went on a cruise. I'm going to be on this cruise ship and locked up into this little sardine room and be sick. (laughs) Fear. Fear just descended on me out of the clear blue sky. And so I turned to Father God, and I looked to him, and I said, Father, what do you say? And immediately just... Just without even a pause, I heard him say, Shalom, my child. And when he said that, I felt his voice all the way through me. And then he said, he said one more phrase to me that changed everything. He said, you are safe. So I would have been on that plane for five and a half hours trying to stay away from her. But instead, I was completely safe. I didn't get sick, and I was able to minister to her. You know what? The Lord loved that woman. He, I, I asked him. <laughs> I said, Lord, why didn't you put her by somebody else? <laughs> but he strategically put her by me because for healing virtue to flow and for her to be well. By the time we got off the plane, she was smiling. And I believe she was better. So, you know what? When God speaks, everything changes. It happened to me again last night. I had prepared a message for you entitled The Troubadour. And I was going to talk to you about the power of song. Because in Colossians 3, the chapter that Pastor Tamara will be reading to us in just a couple months, moments. In that chapter, we are instructed to speak to each other with songs and hymns and spiritual songs. And so I really wanted to talk about the song, and I collected all kinds of quotes, and I had a whole big plan, and I was feeling really excited about it. And last night, right before I turned off the light to go to sleep, Father just started speaking to me the story. He just started telling me this, a story. So I clicked on the light. I grabbed a five, three by five card and my red pen, 
And I just started writing. And I wrote this whole story he gave me front and back in about two minutes. Then I turned off the light and I said, okay, fine, we'll talk about that. (laughs) So I want to tell you the story that he told me. And then Pastor Tamara will read to us Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. We won't do the complete chapter because how many of you know that people did us a great service? They did a wonderful thing in breaking Scripture down into chapters and verses so that we can find Scripture easily. And we can memorize where it's found. (laughs) Don't ever take on condemnation if you forget where scripture is found. Even Jesus, when he was asked about something, he said, you know, um, in that part about the burning bush, and then he went on talking, he didn't say chapter and verse. He just talked about the burning bush. Anyway, so. I don't like it when the chapters are not broken down as I would have broken them down. And I would not have put the end of chapter 3 with it. I would have put it in another part. Now you're curious. Colossians 3 is full of the riches of Jesus. It is full of um, the love and the abundance and It's also full of admonitions of what to do and what not to do. It speaks of putting to death the old man. And as you do your questions, you will understand better who the old man is because we all have an old man. I think it's a really funny thing to say about women and girls. But so it speaks of what to do and what not to do. And it just, it, It's rich. It's full of um, just um, depths of the love of God. And then it goes into wives, submit to your husbands. Children, obey your parents. um, Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. And then it says bondservants, obey. Slaves, obey your masters, which is really relevant to us. It is. It is relevant. But we're only going through 17. Here's the story. The Lord started speaking to me last night. For some reason, he cares about not being partial. He wants us to be impartial, not biased, not prejudiced, not playing favorites. And so here's the story. It's so beautiful what he spoke to me. This is what he said. He said, there was a great and generous king who had two daughters. He loved both of those daughters very much, even though they were very different from one another. They had different gifts. One of them liked to do ballet, and the other one liked jazz music. One liked to cook, and the other one liked archery. They were very different from each other. Even though they were born on the same day, they were twins, they grew up to be very, very different. But the father, the great and generous king, he loved them equally. 
And he, he established an inheritance for them equally, that each of those daughters would receive the same amount. They would both receive inheritance and lands and blessing. Well, the great king, in his wisdom, the night that those twin girls were, were born, when, they, when the midwife delivered those two girls, of course, the one who came out first, they tied a ribbon around that little baby girl's foot, around her ankle. I was going to bring you a ribbon, and I forgot. I was going to tie it around somebody's toe or your ankle. <laughs> so they tied, the midwife tied that ribbon around the firstborn, around her toe, so that everyone would know that she was the eldest, that she should have more benefits than the other daughter. However, the wise king, in the night, he got up and he went into that baby girl's room and he snipped off that ribbon so that no one would know which girl was born first and which one was born second. Because then he made a proclamation and he said, there shall be no partiality with my girls. They shall both share equally in my inheritance and the very best pleasure of my heart. You're his girls. He doesn't play favorites. He doesn't say one of you gets blessing and prosperity and health. And another of you, you get, you, you're going to live in poverty and sickness and trouble. He doesn't do that. Some of you were born into families where one of your parents or both played favorites. Maybe they chose a sibling, one of your siblings, and you felt like that that sibling was loved and that you were not so loved. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was, well, you can fill in the blank. Maybe you've seen partiality. You've seen people who decide to play favorites with one and you were not the one chosen. Well, tonight, you are going to receive from God that level playing field where he says, all of my girls shall receive from my hand equally. He made up the story because it's his character. Now, let's hear the scripture. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Father, that that all of us are candidates for all of you. <laughs> Father, I thank you that you don't, you don't set any of us up to fail or to be less, to be left out. 
but you accept us all into your family, into the beloved, as your dearly loved daughters. And so, Lord, use this word, customize it to every heart, and change us tonight. Thanks, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're in Colossians chapter 3. We're starting with verse 1. I'm reading out of the New King James. You can read along or you can listen. Colossians 3. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God Rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. We could probably spend another month just on those 17 verses. Does anybody else like it? Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Well, your outline tonight, if you want to take that at the top, pure power, pure power. And the title for tonight is Models of Living Faith. 
How many of you have ever worked as a model? Anybody? You've worked as a model? There's a couple, two or th- several, yeah. Wowee. We have a lot of beautiful women in here. In fact, every one of you. Several of you have worked as models. So models of living faith. Did you find out as you worked as a model, those of you who did, that there was a lot of focus on outward appearance? Okay. You know, I worked as a model for a short time when I was in my early 20s. And um, to be to go to a photo shoot where there are so many cameras flashing all around you. And there is something about that that just inflames the um, vanity and the ego. But tonight, we're looking at a different kind of model. We're looking at one that is inside and outside. Both. We're looking at a model of Living faith. Right below that, from 1 John 4, 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, the he in that scripture is Jesus. And what this scripture is saying, that as Jesus was in this world, so shall you be also. Anything that Jesus faced, anything that he had to go through other than the cross, although he did say, take up your cross and follow him. But anything, the way he was treated, the way that people persecuted him, Don't expect that the Jesus in you will walk any differently now. However, Jesus walked through it with perfect peace, just like you. Well, number one, have you ever tried to appear rich or important with beauty or charm or speech or clothes or sexual appeal or jewelry or your car or your technology or your brain or to feel more secure? Never tried that? Wow, it started with me when I was a little tiny girl. I can remember sitting in church with my daddy when I was really little, and I had a bracelet that looked kind of like a watch band. Of course, I was way too little to have a watch. And so I can remember turning my bracelet backwards so that nobody could see that I didn't have a watch on it, and putting my hand on the pew so that the people behind me would think I had a watch as a little tiny kid. Can you remember doing anything like that when you were little, just trying to make yourself look bigger? My girlfriend and I, we would go into town on Saturday when we were 10 and 11, and back in the olden days when it was safe to go to town like that with just a a friend, and we would go to town, and we had saved up our money, and we would buy nylons, hose, and we would put them on, and we would walk around town in them. Now, in those days, the hose had a seam up the back of them, 
I bet some of you don't know anything about this. Yeah, they had a seam up the back of them. And so I would crank my skirt up as high as I could so that everybody could see that I had nylons on. (laughs) Yeah, like... (laughs) All of these little things that I've done throughout my life to try to look big or important or older, I don't do that anymore. (laughs) Or... (laughs) But all of the the stuff, I remember even, it w- hasn't even been very many years when iPhones first came out and hardly anybody had one and I had one and I just kind of display it <laughs> like anybody cared, seriously. <laughs> yeah, I, I still have a tendency to try to do stuff like this. Well, what does that have to do with this lesson? (laughs) Have you ever tried to appear? Your appearance. The scripture that Pastor Tamara read talked about our appearance. When he appears, we'll appear and be like him. I wonder if he ever did things like that, like I did. I don't think so. Right below that, here's a great fact for you. In 1816, a French physicist invented the stethoscope by giving access to body noises, the sound of breathing, the blood gurgling around the heart. I I just put et cetera. I didn't tell you any of the other ones. The stethoscope changed approaches to internal disease. At last, the living body was no longer a closed book. Pathology can now be done on the living. Doctors didn't have to wait for people to die to cut them open to look inside. They could listen and they could hear what was going on on the inside. Well, number two, other people really don't need a stethoscope to hear your insides because words stream from the throat as though a living doorway from the other world. Did you know that your tongue is directly connected to your brain stem? There is a direct connection from your tongue to your brain stem. That explains a lot. Do you know that you may think that you are hiding things from other people and that you are, are appearing um, whatever it is you think you are, dignified or altogether or um, really wise or smart or something. or <laughs> And do you know that other people can see right through that? <gasps> Number three, you are a living model of faith and God doesn't judge or assess you based on who? Very good, based on who you are. (laughs) You know what, women of God, you don't have to ask anymore, am I acceptable to God? You don't have to ask anymore, am I pleasing to God? Because you see, what the question really is, is Jesus acceptable to God? Is Jesus pleasing to God? 
Is Jesus ever condemned by God, by Father God? No, never. And Jesus is in you. This is your criteria. This is your value. This is your identity, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The scripture said that you have died and you are hidden with Christ in God. Well, here you are sitting here alive. How can that be? It's because God has made you alive in Christ Jesus. What a mystery. Sometimes I just sit and I meditate on the mystery of God. I was doing that yesterday morning. I was just sitting and I was meditating on his mystery, on his um, majesty, on his um, bigness. You are hidden with Christ in God. Well, what does that mean? Right below number three, when God commands us to be holy even as he is holy, and this this scripture passage is all about, I mean, there is a lot of behavior stuff in there. When he commands you to be holy even as he is holy, he is simply calling us to let him do it through us. Let him do through us what he does in and of himself. To let God be God through us, engulfed in the flames of holiness, yet wonderfully released from all other competing affections. Isn't that good? When I was, when Tom and I were dating, Tom and I dated for four years before we got married. We met when we were 14 and 15, and so we had to wait. A little bit. My dad wouldn't let us get married at 16. If you're 16, don't listen to me right now, okay? <laughs> oh, Tom did ask my dad if we could get married at 16, and my dad said no. He said you will go to at least one year of college first, and then you can be married. So we dated for four years. We didn't start dating when I was 14. No, we did not. We started when I was a little bit older than that. But when we dated, when we were young, I was very insecure. And I would often ask Tom, do you love me? You can't love me. Why would you love me? And then Tom would tell me, but I do love you. And I would say, I don't believe that you love me because why would you love me? I was so very insecure. There are so many women who your husband tells you, I love you, and you don't believe him. God tells you, I love you. And you say, I know you love me, but do you believe he loves you? Eventually, as Tom convinced me that he loved me and he was, his love was unconditional and he just was faithful, steadfast, eventually I came to believe it. 
And especially when I let God's love invade my heart, found my identity there. Now, it is, a, it is one thing when a husband says to his wife, I love you. And she says, I know you love me. But that doesn't necessarily mean that she believes that he loves her. God says he loves you. Now that truth will not set you free unless you believe it. I speak to people all the time in counseling and in prayer, and I, I try to express the love of God. And I'll say, do you know God loves you? And I almost always hear, oh, yeah, I know God loves me. But do you believe that God loves you? Or do you just know it? There's a difference, isn't there? To believe that he loves you. Let's go farther. Number four, the list in Colossians 3 of all that which we must do and must not do is impossible except for one remedy. And that remedy is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The remedy is the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to help you understand some things about this list because I put it right there in the middle under number four where it says, put to death your members. By the way, I looked up members all through the scripture because I, I, that is a funny word. Put to death your members which are on the earth. I'm like, who are my members? I, I, have, I have a couple of friends who um, struggle with um, their thoughts. And I've heard them say, there's a committee in my brain. So I was wondering, are your members the committee? <laughs> Don't you wonder when it says put to death your members which are on the earth? What are you going to do? <laughs> but then he goes on to name some of them. He says fornication, which is sex out of marriage. Unclean, between men and women, women and women, men and men, anybody, fornication. Unclean, uncleanness. <laughs> Passion. Evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. There's something to meditate on. But it says, put off all of these. Put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. These are your members. Do you have these members? <laughs> Boy, I know some mem people have that member. <laughs> Says, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, that would never happen. Even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. And you can continue to read as you do your questions and study what we are given throughout the scripture to do. But here's the deal. When Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me, he meant it in that 
sequential order. He didn't say, if you obey me, you love me. He said, if you love me, then you'll do this stuff. And here's the problem. There's a scripture, and if we can get revelation of this, this is going to bring great freedom because because your problems and the problems of the people around you and people who are immersed in these things and who are involved in the things of the world, the scripture says that if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Now, this is a really, really humongous deal right here. Because your sons and daughters are not rebellious. They just have not received a revelation of the love of the Father. Right here, number five, you cannot put to death that the scripture again speaks of the old man, the old Jew, with out first deeply knowing the love of the Father, the love of the Father. It doesn't say the love for the Father. I used to, I used to cry and cry out to God, Oh, Father, people don't love you. Lord, you deserve their love, and they don't love you. And, Lord, people need to love you. And why aren't they loving you? You're, you're, so, you're so wonderful. People should love you. And I would cry. And then I would come, and I would teach, and I'd say, you got to love God. <laughs> you can't be lukewarm. <laughs> you got to love him. With all your heart. And I didn't even know that none of us can do that unless the love of the Father is in us. Unless we get revelation of his love. Unless we have a deep revelation of the love of God. It's not love for God. It's love of God. Isn't it amazing how one little letter and R can change a whole word? Love for God, love of God. And yet so big. We're instructed in the word to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. Well, do you do that? No. You know why? Because it's the law. That word was given as the law, inflexible. It was given to show you, well, to show you up and to cause you to watch the Father who loves you with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his mind, with all of his strength. Some of you look shocked. (laughs) 
The scripture from First John is right below 5. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In other words, if you look around and you see people doing things that are not of the kingdom of God, instead of going, stop that. Why don't you, why don't you just stop it and fly right? Get some love for God. Instead of doing that, you look at them with compassion and you say, Oh, Father, give them a revelation of your love. Because once we get a revelation of the love of God, we won't let anything separate us from his presence. I grew up in a church that taught lots of rules and If we obey all the rules, we'll get to heaven. Many of you did too. Sorry. You're not going to get there by obeying the rules. But after you get heaven inside of you, you'll want to obey. Number six, once we are filled with Father's love, we can love others without judgment too. And at the bottom, number seven, through the pure power of the love of the Holy Spirit, you may become holy accidentally. Here's the deal. All around us, people are doing things. Why is evil on our planet? Evil is on planet Earth to the degree that people choose sin and selfishness. All around us, we see people choosing sin and selfishness, and we want them to stop it, especially when they're mean to us or mean to our family or um, it affects us personally. And we want people to we want people to walk in that holiness, that that truth and that goodness and prosper and be blessed. I mean, wouldn't it just be so much nicer if we all did that? <laughs> and yet the bottom line is it's the love of the Father. The revelation of that love of the Father who doesn't show partiality, who treats all of his girls equally and says anyone can enter in because it's 100% Jesus. We are hidden with Christ in God and Father sees Jesus when he looks at us. You remind Father of what his son did when he looks at you. It's a really big deal. I want to minister the love of the Father, Pastor Tamara, if you'll come. Every one of us needs a deeper revelation of the love of the Father. Every one of us. 
so right there in that quiet spot, right where you are. You know that everything else can wait. Everything is just temporary, isn't it? The people around you, you may never see them again. (laughs) I hope you do, but forget about them. (laughs) Oh, don't be sad. You'll see them again, but forget about them for now. Just forget about all those things that torment and harass and bother and trouble and captivate. Let's ask Father. Let's ask Him. Let's ask Father to let's just open ourselves up to His love, the love of God, the one who so loved the world, who so loved you, that He gave His only begotten Son that you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. So open yourself up to a deeper revelation of the love of the Father. Now, Lord, you are the great initiator. And so I ask that you will set us up, that you will initiate, that you will provide and orchestrate all kinds of encounters with you. Father, that you will give dreams in the night. Oh, Lord, you'll give revelation through nature. Lord, that you will give prophetic words through friends. Lord, that music, that you will that you will bring your daughters, your girls into that, into the depth of your love through music, through worship. Master orchestrator, I ask that every single one of us will have such a depth of your love within us. <laughs> that we are just, we're overtaken. We are overwhelmed. We're overjoyed with you. And oh God, I ask that your love will bloom and that it will overtake bodies, physical bodies with health. That it will overtake finances with blessing. Oh Father, that relationships will come into that beauty that you desire. And so, Father, I thank you that you will do this. I thank you that you will because you said you would. Thanks, Lord. Why don't you just, with your faith, thank him in advance. Thanks, Father. Thank you, Father, for the depth, the revelation of your love. Thank you, Father.
and I'll see you next week. I love you.